word for you this morning, and I, I have a word for you. And I want to talk to you about something that, that matters to me because um, I believe something is very true. And did you know that God really does care about what you wear at church? Some of you don't believe this, and I don't mean to be legalistic, um, and maybe this feels like a housekeeping uh, issue, but God does have a dress code for his church, and I want to make you aware of that. And he desires you to pay good attention to what you wear. And here it is. It's clear because in Colossians 3.13, in Colossians 3.13, it says this. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's the clothes I'm talking about. Some of you are like, "Uh uh-oh. I felt it. Probably because I set it up that way. God is very concerned about what you wear. But not so much physically because I wear on Sunday and I, I, I had to, there was a lot of adjustments for me when I started this church. And September will be 10 years. Can you believe that? 10 years. We're about to celebrate 10 years. Who's ready to throw a bash in September? Who's, who's willing to throw a bash with us? We could just do cupcakes after service or something. Or we could throw a bash. I'm saying I'd rather go with the bash. But 10 years ago, God had to form in me a a little bit of a change. Because, follow me now, I wore suits every Sunday. Not every Sunday, every Sunday. And every church I went to, because I asked the pastor, I said, what is your... Well, I wear this, and I would just wear whatever the pastor wears. Probably not the same colors and patterns. But if the pastor was a jacket wearing, I'd be respectful, and I'd wear a jacket. If he was a, a, a polo shirt wearing kind of guy, I would go polo shirt wearing kind of guy. But a lot of the churches I would visit, they full suit. So I don't know if you see it, but I wear suits. And I'd wear it, and I love it, and I'm cool with it. I don't have anything against suits. But when I started this church, I realized that there's a lot of people that don't want to wear suits on Sunday. And I said, you know what? I need to be concerned about what God's overall kingdom priorities are above my own. And I've had literally people come into our church, be a part of the service, and on the way out say, Pastor, thank you for the the fact that there's not pressure to have to wear a suit every week. Now... That said, if you wear a suit and tie, we love you. If you don't wear a suit and tie, we love you. Sometimes I wear a suit, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel like a nut, sometimes I don't. I should coin that jingle. I feel like it could be used somewhere. But in reality, right, I think we all in some way, I dress how I feel. If I wanted to wear a tie on a Sunday morning, they go, Pastor, you clean up well. You got a tie on. I'm like, yeah, I felt like a tie. Back off. (laughs) Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I got a collar. Sometimes I got jeans. Sometimes I got dress pants. But God's dress code is very different, right? Because he tells us to do what? To clothe ourselves in such a way that we would make a statement. That we would be a people that are distinguishedly different. If someone walked into the room with, come on somebody, Walmart dress code, 
That is slippers, pajama pants, shirt. That's different than if somebody walked in with a tux, shiny shoes, nice black dress socks and stuff. I mean, decked out slick hair and the whole bit tight. You know what I'm saying? That's different. Does that change the person? It doesn't change the person. It's the shell, right? So God is overall concerned more about what is happening on the inside than what is happening on the outside. That said, I like to dress up nice for church. I like to be clean. I brush my teeth. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. You know, you got, you got to present yourself in a way that is admirable, right? It's, you don't want to be a distraction. But what about caring about the things that can be a distraction to the end result of someone's soul? Do we pay as much attention to that as we do this dress code we often see? And that's the question I want to pose. I want to talk about God's dress code today as we talk about the, the, the true issue of unity within the body. Are you with me? Okay, I, that was a question. Now listen, here's your dress code, my friends. Are you ready? Take notes right here. Write this down. Number one, compassion. Compassion, what is that? Care for others, right? These are not the points of my message, by the way. This is just what Colossians 3.12 said. Close yourself with what? Compassion, which is care for others, right? Kindness, right? Gentleness. Kindness is what? Kindness is respecting others. Gentleness is treating others with care. Patience. Some of you are really struggling with this one now, right? Some of you are like, I can go with the kindness, pastor. I can go with the humility, pastor. I can even go with the gentleness, pastor. But don't ask me to be patient. Don't ask me to be patient. Right? I want patience and I want it now. Patience is a tough one. How many of you are not very patient, especially when you go through a drive-thru? That it's hardly a drive-thru, it's more like a parking lot. <laughs> Where's the driving in the drive-thru? It's more like a park-thru. Because you're there for like 45 minutes before you even take your order, right? So what I'm saying is patience, gentleness, humility, and kindness. These are all elements found in Colossians, and this is what we put on. See, God is not interested in the style of the service, even the beautiful lights, these things, they're all extracurricular, and they're nice fillers. But you know what really gets someone to know who Jesus is? When you clothe yourself with kindness, when you clothe yourself with humility, when you clothe yourself, look at me, with gentleness and patience. This is what the world is looking for. If I, if, you, if I get amens, I will preach shorter. I'm not going to lie. But we put an emphasis on this right here this morning because we understand that the emphasis on the we is very, very important when you have dealt with the me. You with me? We talked last week a little bit about unity. We're going to continue on that a little bit. Because it's important that we put off whatever belongs to this earthly nature. How many have a selfish, prideful nature? Anybody? Raise your hand. 
Some of you are like, let me wait till three people at least raise their hand so nobody spots me. No, seriously, raise your hand if you've ever been selfish. If you've ever been prideful. Keep it up. How dare you? Every one of you. No, we've all been prideful, right? We've all been prideful at some point. I'm there. I've been there. Moments of pride. Moments of selfishness. It's very difficult to get to we if you don't deal with the me. But let's talk about the we for a moment because we've been dealing with the, with the me element. What is it that makes the we so powerful? What is it that makes us? Because this series that we're talking about, we over me. This series that we're talking about has everything to do with how we impact the world. Because together, we can do so much more than we can apart. How many agree with that? If you was to be here early, before 10 o'clock, and for some of you, before 1027. I'm not going to lie. It happens. Service is at 10 o'clock, by the way. It doesn't change for summer. When you show up, if you show up at 930, 9 o'clock, 830, we have prayer in here uh, with some of the uh, leadership and team and the worship team and things. We pray right here at 830. And then 9 o'clock, we have, work, we have prayer in the, in the war room as well. We have prayer throughout that time. And if you were to be here during that time, you realize how many things change between that time and 10. Why? Because the we is in effect. People come in here and they know their roles. That's what helps make the service roll the way it does. And if something, something doesn't roll properly, it's because something was missed and that happens. But when things don't go, everything goes well and nothing goes wrong, nobody really says anything because everybody did their part. And that's because people showed up to be a part of the we, to be a part of the element that ministers to the body. How many are grateful for the fact that we have a, a body of believers that serve? Amen? We have a, a wonderful, wonderful body of believers. And last week I challenged you because some of you still have been kind of like, where do I fit? Where do I, I want to challenge you to think about, continue to challenge you to think about where you could serve. But it's important that we do whatever we, whatever we do to do by peeling off our earthly nature. Now, we've been through a lot as a church. We've been through a lot as a nation. We just now are looking at recovering from this global pandemic, social distancing, the, econ the economy, and the economic crisis that we've been going through. We took a huge hit. Supply shortages. It started with toilet paper. Now it's wood. It's even helium, gas. Hello? You got a lot of things going on. Price of everything is rising, high unemployment, high suicide rate, screen fatigue. Nobody wants to enter a Zoom call anymore. I don't want to hear about Zoom. Zoom, Zoom another way. Zoom, Zoom. The list goes on. We have screen fatigue, that fatigue. We just want to see people again. If you're like me, you wanted to hug people again without being like, uh, is this weird? Can I hug you or am I not kosher in some way? Socially kosher. I don't know. That was a weird term, socially kosher. Kosher. But the fact is it doesn't change that the world is weird. But I feel like it's returning to a little bit of normalcy. But here's what will never return to normal. 
But the church now has to rise to be more unified than ever before. We have to be more unified than we ever have been before. We have to understand the word of God. We have to know this. You can no longer rely on me or any other pastor or just a screen. You have to know this word and you had to know it before. But you have to know it now because we're one day closer to the becoming, to the returning of Jesus Christ. So let me share with this with you. Some of you remember 9-11. Some of you are too young to remember 9-11. My wife and I, we remember distinctly 9-11. And I remember this last 9-11, um, there's always documentaries. How many of you watched the documentary on 9-11? I watched documentary on 9-11 and, and I flash back for a moment that Sunday following 9-11, how everything changed. How many of you remember that show of hands? How many of you? You got you to show your age for a moment. All right, just a little bit, just a little bit. It's not too long. Yeah, well, you know, there was a lot that happened that Sunday following. I remember being in church, raising my hand, saying, God, would you just be with our nation right now? Tears streaming down my face. Church was packed. Not this church, because we didn't exist at that point yet. The church that I attended, the church that I attended at the time, and I was a youth pastor, my wife and I were serving. I remember tears streaming down people's face. How crushed we were lives that were lost that was a game-changing moment we are now in the same element just a little different a lot more politics involved but i won't go into that i will say this when the world falls apart the church comes together and i'll even go a step further than that when the world falls apart the church must come together it is imperative that we come together amen we have to be a body yes yes we have to be a body. Come on, somebody agree with me. Yes? yes? We have to be a body. So what are we going to do about it? Do we go back to business as usual? Pastor, do, when are we going to do this again? When are we going to have that again? It can't be the same way anymore. Because the urgency has changed. Now, I'm not subscribing to a great reset. But I am subscribing to this, that the church has to be better than we were before the pandemic. The church started as a body of people in Acts chapter 2. And here's my verse. Are you ready? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. This is my text this morning. Turn there right now. Acts chapter 2. If you did not have a Bible and you did not bring a Bible, I'm going to ask you to bring it. Because we use it here. Tap or turn to Acts chapter 2. If you happen not to have it this morning, we have provided certain verses on the screen for you. But each verse I'm going to read and I'm going to talk about for just a few moments. A little bit of a different approach to my preaching this morning. But I found it very imperative that we address this issue so that me could be better. Okay? I know that's not grammatically right, but you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about so that the me can be better when we come together as we. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 talks about something very specific. And, I, and before I go into that for a moment, I want to talk about what holds the church together. Before we even read this, because you have to understand something. The Spirit of God is the mortar that holds the church together. There is an element that many churches have a problem with. And here it is. Are you ready? 
certain churches gather, but not every church is unified. Nod your head if you agree. You could say no, but I know for sure because I have the microphone and you don't. (laughs) It's true though, right? There are certain churches that gather, but something doesn't happen there. They just like to gather. And I love our gatherings on Sunday morning. I love it. I look forward to it. But what happens when you leave this building? What happens after this? The Spirit of God is the mortar that holds the building blocks of Christianity together. So that mortar is very important when you're talking about these verses because I understand something. The church is not to be held together by social bonds such as being the same race or the same class or the same income. But instead what Ephesians 4, 3 calls the bond of peace. We can't be held together by the fact that we're all black, we're all white, we're Hispanic, we're Asian, we're Filipino, we're this, we're that, we're the other. That's not enough to hold us together in the body of Christ. Thank you. I was hoping I get an amen on that one. Because there's a lot of people teaching otherwise. Why is it that some people say that Sunday morning is the most segregated morning of the week? It should not be the most segregated moment of the week. In fact, when we enter heaven, and I'm speaking by faith that everyone in this room and everyone listening right now will enter into eternity together, that there will be multiple nations and tongues. That's what the Bible says. And anyone that says otherwise is anti-Christ, anti-biblical, and not born of the Spirit. There will be all nations and all tongues, all races, all creeds, all income, all background, all kinds of hues, all kinds of shade, pale or not pale? Pale or not pale? I'm addressing this because I'm not running from issues facing our church today the church today and here are the issues we lack unity when we lack peace we lack unity when we put certain social structures above the biblical structures that are already in place while it is true that most churches attract people of the same or similar background or personality I get that I get that that's okay But if your mortar is, you don't look like me, so we can't worship together, that is anti-Christ, get thee behind me, Satan. That's not of God. How do we make the we stronger? The New Testament is clear that the only thing that bonds man together in the spirit is the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get a whole lot of amens. I'll take the ones I get. But the New Testament is very clear this morning that the church must not become a club of one type of people, but a community that transcends those things that divide the world but bring us together. The world should not look like the church. The church should not look like the world. We have to be different. 
we have to be different. In Paul's day, the call was to transcend the barriers between Greek and Jew. So we have an element there, don't we? We have an element of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. She asked Jesus, do you even know what you're saying when you ask me for a drink? Jesus is like, can you give me a drink? And right away we see the cultural issues there. Something as simple as a drink became an issue that divided the people at the well. They were both at the well, like we are here. They were both in the same place, like we are here. But they weren't unified. How many churches do the same thing every Sunday? They gather, but they're not unified. Understand something as a church, that I'm not speaking this message because we are disunit. We have a disunity in the church or we're disunified. This is a biblical thing that has to be preached in all churches. And we can't run from some of the social cues that are out there. We have to address them because if we don't, guess who's going to try to answer them? The media. Can you trust the media much anymore? Come on, somebody. Please, I hope the answer is no. You have to understand something. The Bible will answer what the media has been avoiding. And the truth is, we have to be different. The media will never answer what the church should do because the media has no clue. The media does not have the Spirit of God keeping them together. In fact, they have their own agenda. Spirit of God has got the Father's agenda. The Spirit of God has God the Father's agenda. The Spirit of God has God the Father's agenda. That's the agenda we seek, amen? Come on, come on. The Bible's real specific, right? There is no Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, but find unity, Galatians 3.28. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. So I'm gonna get to our verse in just a moment because today's barriers, well, I talked about it, is it includes race, white, black, Hispanic, social class, middle class, this class, that class, your class, my class, who class? Whatever class, math class, no thanks. Now contemporary churches need greater reliance on the lights to kind of overshadow the fact that all these things are not happening. Can I tell you something? If we shut these lights off and shut these lights off, are we still the church? I sure hope we are. I sure hope we are. It is now more than ever that we need a greater reliance upon the Holy Spirit to keep us together because it is the Spirit that keeps us bound and the Spirit is the mortar. The Spirit is the mortar. That's why we've decided as a team to go full force, 100% full on. We are doing events this summer. We're going to love people. We're going to love God, love people. We're going to change the world. Amen? Who wants to be a part of that? So let let me get to it. We must be mindful of the events of the day in the Bible. So here we go. Acts chapter 2. Because I want to call something out for a moment. Because something happened in Acts chapter 2. That we got to be mindful that even in this day. Today. There is a CRT thing going on. Critical race theory. And I'm going to address that for a moment. That seeks to divide people. That somehow because of the color of their skin. They should be told what? And I'm telling you right now, this seeks to divide people, not bring them together, especially the body. 
And if you disagree with me, you, that's okay. You can disagree. But I'm telling you biblically right now that it must be called out by believers. And we have to address that critical race theory that addressing somebody because of the color of their skin has never been okay. Black, white, Hispanic, or otherwise. It's never been okay to judge somebody because of their skin. Why is it okay now? And this is what's happening in our world today. Right now, in our schools, in public places, with taxpayer money, people are being told to judge other people because of their skin. And I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Because being Hispanic, my kids being both white and Hispanic, my wife being white, I have dear friends that are all races. And I've never judged them, nor should you, because of their skin. And now they're being told to be judged because of their skin. That's not okay. That is not biblical. That is not right, friends. And that is not of God. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. If you don't agree with me, unsubscribe. Don't, don't worry about it. Write an email. Send it to Pastor Corey. <laughs> he has been tasked in filtering these for me. When? Just now. That's Corey at We Are Freedom Life. No, I'm serious. I, I, I threw a joke in there, but, but I'm being very serious. Unbiblical. That's not unified. That's not unifying. And it is not biblical. Listen to me. Critical race theory, not of God, period. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If you are a believer and you think that's okay, right now, pray. For yourself, God, show me what is right. Because every creed, every color, every tongue, every nation will be represented in heaven. And not one race is going to dominate that. I don't, I don't consider myself a political person. And pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm dealing a biblical issue. When something in society is not biblical, it's no, if I address it, I'm not addressing a political statement. I'm addressing a biblical issue. And I'm not addressing a politician or a party. I'm addressing an issue. And here's the issue. We have to be better at unity. And we can't hate. That is not of God. Period. It has no place in the body and is not biblical. And we see this in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You with me? Acts chapter 2 verse 42. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. This was the church in primitive form. You want to know when the church was at its best? When it cut out the excess. And it just realized that people matter. Hello? When people matter, the church is at its best. They made the simple the primary, and they kept primary 
those things that are simple. And here's what they did. They got together. Verse 42. They got together. And every one devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know what they did? They got into the scriptures. They got together and they prayed. If you're wondering why you're not connecting with God, who are you connecting with during the week? You don't have to wait for a life group to start, to have a few friends, whether it's from church or not, to come to your house, open the scriptures, and talk about Jesus. Why are you waiting for the church to plan everything for you? Don't. Start something. There's plenty of groups that right now are happening, and you don't even know it. They're happening organically because people like to get together. Why don't you do it? The disciples weren't waiting for a bulletin. Hello? They weren't waiting for a bulletin to be like, oh, we've got to wait for the bulletin. We've got to wait for Peter to print the bulletins before 3,000 people got saved. No, they got saved because Peter opened his mouth and preached. And people said, I want to be saved. They devoted themselves. Let's look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. What happened? Because they were joining together, they devoted themselves. What did they do? Devoted themselves, right? To the breaking of bread. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Right? Food is of God. Food and fellowship. They work together. Food, fellowship, and fire is even better. Come on, somebody. Someone like s'mores. I know. That's not what I'm talking about. No. No. But that's good too. Food, fellowship, fire. What does that mean? Devoted themselves to the apostles, the teaching, the fellowship, and the prayer. If you're lacking any one of those things, you start to have voids in your heart, in your life. And you start to kind of fall short. We need each other. Somebody say, we need each other. Everyone was filled with awe. And what happened after that? Verse 43. They were filled with awe and signs and wonders. Watch this. And signs and wonders were performed by the disciples, the apostles. Why? Because they already got themselves tied into the gospel. The gospel was in them. So it's easy for it to come out when it was already in them. They didn't have to force anything. And many versions say that the signs and wonders followed them that believed. Why? You don't have to, fo- you don't have to follow signs and wonders. You can. Look at me. But when you believe Jesus and you break bread and you fellowship and you pray, signs and the wonders will follow you. Verse 44. Because we know that power follows those who follow Jesus. Power comes. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Come on, you know the spirit of God is. You know there's a spirit of God when everybody had everything in common. Because... Some of us can't even agree what kind of, like if we said, let's have a pizza party. We can't even agree on what topping if we got together to have on that pizza, let alone everything in common. Why? Because a hundred pianos tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned together. I'm going to say that again. A hundred pianos tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned together. Who is the deciding element here? Jesus. So when they they dedicated themselves to Jesus, they automatically walked in a devotion that nobody can duplicate. I'll say this again real quick. Verse 46, verse 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple of courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praise the Lord. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Now listen, we're going to have an auction in a little bit here. We're going to break all kinds of stuff. Hopefully records of how much we raise for the youth camp, right? And so we got these desserts and things. Guess what? When we get together, there's something that happens in the spirit that breaks the plans of the enemy. Again, the mortar. And we've seen that in the New Testament church. You say, how can we as a church become more prevalent? How can we as a church become more like Jesus? And the answer is simple. Get together more. Pray more. Respond more. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. So how to radically change? Let let me ask this question. How do we radically change our culture? Here's how it is. Ready? Four quick thoughts that I want to share with you. Here it is. Number one, we must keep growing deeper as disciples. Real simply, number one, we have to grow deeper as disciples. Following Jesus is important, but doing it together helps deeply and deepen our faith. Number two, we must keep growing closer to God in prayer. Amen? Amen. Keep praying daily. The Spirit of God in your life praying daily is the X factor. How do we change the world? Allow the Spirit of God to work through us. Number three, keep showing generosity toward others. I've seen that. Keep showing generosity toward each other. If you find somebody in need, don't wait for somebody else to respond. Be the first. Be the first. Be first. Somebody has a need? Oh, I want to give to that. Somebody has a need? Let's get together. Do you want to get together with me? We'll go halves. We'll bless this family. Come on. That's what the New Testament church did. You don't believe me? Look at the, look at the verses that we were talking about earlier. We look at, uh, we look at what they did. And what they did was look at verse 45 of chapter 2. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Why is that so hard? I have extra. Listen, no matter how bad you have it in America, everyone has a little extra something in their life. Guess what? That little extra something, and it doesn't have to be just be money. You hear what I'm saying? It could be anything. How can I get that extra to somebody? Instead, in America, we have a real, real problem of hoarders. Right? Have you ever seen hoarders and get real anxious? How many can't watch that show? You're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I get itches. I get highs breaking out. Because you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. I can't breathe. They get, you know. But we're like that spiritually sometimes. We, we take in all this stuff, but we don't give that. We don't love that way. We got to keep generosity. And that, that's mind, money, and minutes. We, we opened up digital giving. Many of you give digitally. Some of you are like, I haven't got there yet. I still write the old-fashioned check. That's okay. I do too. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? But how are you being generous? That's an important element. You have to answer that question. Last but not least, number four, we must keep sharing the hope of Jesus. God will give us favor. Amen? Over all these virtues, Colossians tells us this, over all these virtues, if you're writing it down, Colossians 3, 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. Friends, hear me. I think I said everything I needed to say this morning, but hear me when I say this to you. The only way we can be one, 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 that is multiple people being one in the spirit, one spirit, one body, one Lord, right? The only way we could be one in the oneness of God is when we glorify him in our personal life and make him priority. When we make him priority, his priority is adapted by us. So we glorify him in obedience to become more like Jesus. Amen? Church, we before me is a constant theme throughout scripture. Me before we is a constant theme in the world. Unity is oneness. Oneness is what God is all about. One purpose. One purpose. Look at me, everybody. One purpose. What is your purpose? Whatever God wants, hopefully, right? But everybody has a reason to be here. My prayer is that you find it. Would you pray with me? I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, thank you that, Lord, the oneness that we have is solidified by you. Help me, God, to see anything that does not allow oneness to take place. Jesus, I pray that your sacrificial love would come and set me up for greatness in your kingdom. Not because I'm great, but because you have already given me the opportunity to be part of your kingdom. Father, we glorify you in obedience to your commands and we ask you, let your glory shine in this place among these people in this day. It is in the name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Stand with me for a moment, would you?